And uh, today we're going to call him our treasure. And uh, that's the title of my message this morning, The Christian Treasure from Colossians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them to Colossians chapter 2. And uh, keep them open on your lap. I'll be referring to verse by verse. Um, the title says we're going to go through verse 5. I'm only going to do the first four verses today. So uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Um, just let me say one more quick prayer. I appreciate Cammie's introductory prayer. So, Father, we disagree with what Cammie has prayed today. And I uh, pray now, Holy Spirit, that you'd help me to clearly proclaim your word and to uh, encourage us all to put you first in everything that we do. And in so doing, experience the riches and the treasures of walking with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Perhaps some of you have seen the reality show on the History Channel called The Curse of Oak Island. Anybody seen that? It's, uh, it's been a long-going uh, reality show. It's based on the efforts of two brothers, uh, Marty and Rick Lagina, who uh, discover the spec- in their efforts to uh, discover the speculated buried treasure on the island uh, off the coast of Nova, Nova Scotia called uh, Oak Island. And you can see a picture of it right there. It's, uh, it's an island that... Uh, there's a speculation, there's a legend that there is buried treasure on this island that was buried, um, enormous stash of gold and silver and precious stones uh, deposited in the 1600s by somebody. And uh, some say it's uh, the fortune of legendary pirate Captain Kidd. Maybe it's uh, the fortune of Blackbeard. Uh, Others say it's a Spanish ship Uh, unloaded a vast treasure on this island. Others contend that it's the jewels of Marie Antoinette (laughs) are buried on this island. Uh, Even some speculate that this is where the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy Grail are put. It's a legend. And so these two brothers are searching for this buried treasure. Since they began this Quest in 1965, they have uncovered um, a, a place called the Money Pit. And you can see the excavation of this island, and you see the hole there in the middle where there's water? That's called the Money Pit. And they call it the Money Pit because they discovered a large stone that had mysterious text engraved on it. It was dashes and dots and symbols. And they couldn't figure it out until some ancient scholar supposedly um, translated it to say this. Forty feet below, two million pounds are buried. And so this is where they're digging. The majority of the excavation has happened, but with little success. But they continue on. Um, They are really committed to finding this buried treasure. They've invested literally millions of dollars. They've enlisted construction experts. They've enlisted seismic experts to help them figure out how far they can, they can go. And, and then when they find a, a relic 
they've enlisted metallurgic experts to help them interpret just what is this that we have found. And they get all excited when they see something. They've uh, persevered through lots of setbacks. There have been disastrous floods. There have been serious injuries. And since 1965, one of the workers lost his life, bringing to a total of seven over the centuries who have lost their lives in quest of this supposed buried treasure on Oak Island. Because of all these difficulties, there has been the speculation that the site is cursed. Thus, the title of the show, The Curse of Oak Island. As a trailer to the show, this is what the producers say to draw us in as viewers of the show. Today, the Canadian site is marked by two centuries of attempts to drill for treasure. The unknown contents of the pit continue to draw speculation and seduce the imagination of fortune seekers. The one detail that is known and widely agreed upon is that the Oak Island Money Pit remains one of the greatest mysteries on the planet. So they dig on. They search on. And this just shows how how tireless those who are convinced that there's a treasure somewhere will be in their efforts to find it. Their commitment is incredible. I wonder if there might be similar motivation for us if we knew that there was a spiritual treasure to discover. I think this is the paragraph that Paul gives us in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And I think it speaks to us of our treasure and Paul's concern for us to seek for that treasure. And I would suggest to you that maybe the search for the legendary treasure on Oak Island might be a, a motivation for us to say, well, maybe we're not taking our search for the Christian treasure serious enough. Let's see what the Apostle Paul says in these four verses from chapter 2. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Look at verse 2. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have riches, full riches of complete understanding in order that they might know the mystery of God, namely Christ in whom are hidden treasures, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul's central and overarching desire is for us to know Christ. 
certainly to know about him, but deeper than that, more fundamentally to know him, to personally know him, to have a relationship with him, to have a friendship with him, to experience being together with him, to walk with him and talk with him as the hymn says, to laugh with him and to cry with him, to have him seated in the car with us, watching the game with us, exercising at the gym with us, at the office, on vacation, to know, to have him with us and next to us, to share our deepest fears, our deepest aspirations, to be transparent and open and just to be able to say anything. See, when we know Christ like that, here's what Paul says, we will have the full riches of complete understanding, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Knowing Christ is a spiritual treasure. In him are the riches of understanding and knowledge. In our relationship with Jesus, he leads us and guides us through the minefields of life. We begin to experience peace in our hearts, freedom from guilt and shame, a passion to serve and follow him. We begin to make better decisions. We find ourselves in fewer quagmires in life. We stay away from things that get us in trouble. Fewer and fewer times we will we'll say, boy, that was really stupid. <laughs> we will say that fewer and fewer times because we'll be pursuing Christ as our treasure. So I'd like to suggest today that like the Laguna brothers who make it a priority to find earthly treasures and demonstrate that priority and their commitment of their resources and efforts and energy, the priority for every follower of Christ is to seek him as our treasure, to go on an expedition to find him. Now, when I say priority, I don't mean priority. I mean priority. He should be our priority. Searching for him, having him be our treasure before anything else. The most important endeavor in life. I'm reminded of two little parables that Jesus told in Matthew 13. First one, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Treasure, priority. Again, verse 45, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls, and when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. The top priority in life. The Christian treasure in life. Paul says, embark on this treasure. Go on an expedition to seek this Christian treasure. He says, the expedition and search of Christian treasure must be the priority of every Christian. And then he tells us three reasons. 
in these verses. First, our spiritual lives depend on it. Our spiritual lives depend on us having Jesus as our treasure. Verse 1, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you. How hard I'm contending for you. The word there is agonize. Well, you know, I'm agonizing for you. This is so important, readers, that I'm agonizing in prayer that you make Jesus your treasure. Your life depends on it. This expedition in search of the Christian treasure is something that Paul puts... I'm. It's a concern for us. You see, so often believers experience God's grace and salvation and think that's all there is. And then we go on and we just tool along in life, rest on our mediocre and blah spiritual anecdotal cliches. And then when the coronavirus grabs a hold of our world, we don't know what to do. I'm not saying that's what you're thinking, but isn't it easy for us to just coast on our our one-time salvation experience and then when something invades our lives that we weren't expecting, we're kind of caught off guard. Paul says, don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. I'm, I'm, I'm so concerned because your life depends on Jesus being your treasure. Paul says, because there is so much more to knowing Christ and experience the knowledge and wisdom that he brings to life, pursue him. Make him your treasure. Verse 2, my goal is that you may be encouraged in heart. That they would be motivated from the heart. Um, Bible says a lot about the heart. Some would suggest, and I agree with them, that the heart is the seat of our being. The heart is the way that God describes us as the essence of what it means to be a person. The source of thinking, the source of feeling, the source of willing. The heart is the center of our being. Someone has said, the heart of every problem is a matter of the heart. The way we look at life, it's the heart. And what the heart takes in becomes its master, stamping the heart with its character. It's the heart's desire that shapes life and consequently our person. And Jesus says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. What's your treasure? And whatever our treasure is, that's going to form our heart. And that's going to form who we are. That's going to form how we live. That's going to form how we plan. That's going to inform how we we put our goals. That's going to form how we respond to what we're going through. What's in your heart? Paul says, oh, I pray, I agonize that, that Jesus will be your treasure. Jesus taught out of the abundance of the heart we speak, we act, we feel. 
But there's, there's some really good news. Some really good news. From Jeremiah 29. And I take these verses to be applicable to believers from all, er- all times in life. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and pray to me and I will listen to you. And here's the promise. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So Paul says, I pray that Jesus would captivate your heart. I pray that he would be the treasure of your heart. Because if we seek Jesus, if, if He is our passion, if He is the one we're seeking, we can face any challenge in life. And we will find Him. And that brings me to the second point, I think, that Paul is telling us. The reason why it should be a priority is because when Jesus is our priority, seeking Him helps us persevere. Seeking Him gives us perseverance. Now let me try to, try to unpack this idea with you. The treasure hunt is not just some spiritual and mystical deal. There are real and practical implications of searching for Jesus. Uh, an expedition to find Jesus, I would suggest, builds perseverance. Verse 3. Paul says, Jesus, in whom are hidden the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The Christian treasure, Jesus, is hidden. What does that mean that Jesus is hidden? Well, it's not hidden like the supposed treasure of Oak Island. Jesus is hidden for another reason. The point here is that while we search for this hidden treasure with the promise that we will find him. The ultimate prize is Jesus, but along the way, we find ourselves persevering. In the search for that which we know we will find eventually, if Jesus is our treasure, as we search for him, knowing we will find him, we will find ourselves free from anxiety. Free from different, from heart, from from lack of faith. Free from all of the things that pull us down because we're in the search for that which we know we will find. As we find, if we dig in our fields of difficulty and pain and hardship and search for the buried treasure in those fields, we find Jesus. And then we step back and we realize, wow, as I've been searching for Jesus in the midst of my cancer, in the midst of my financial crisis, in the midst of my hard marriage, in the midst of my prodigal children, as I've been searching for Jesus, I'm realizing he's been there all the while, and I have become stronger in my faith. The search actually makes us stronger. I think that's why Jesus is hidden. Because God wants us to dig for him. 
Because in the digging, with the promise that we will find him, we find ourselves persevering. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 2 tells us about the human nature of Jesus. In making many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation, Jesus, perfect through what he suffered. Jesus was perfected as he was searching for his treasure. Now, his treasure, of course, was his relationship with his father, Our treasure is our relationship with our Father through Jesus. But Jesus had to search. He had to dig. (laughs) And in the digging, he was perfected. Why would it be any different for us? In fact, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. My grace is sufficient for you, he writes, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Because in all those things, I have to dig. And it shows my weaknesses and When I am weak, I find that that's when I'm strong. You see? If Jesus is our treasure and if we're digging for him, we actually find ourselves strong. Dr. Paul Tournier, um, Tournier, (laughs) uh, a psychologist in his book, Creative Suffering, writes that he treated patients for 50 years through various episodes of suffering. Listen to what he writes. He says, I've seen them change through suffering. Not that suffering was the cause of their growth, but its occasion. Suffering does not necessarily make a person grow, but one cannot grow without it. Not everyone grew through suffering, only the ones who had the proper disposition in suffering. There was a meaning, a purpose beyond their suffering. They thought that purpose, that meaning, they sought that purpose, that meaning in their suffering. Thus, their suffering became their servant. What is the meaning for us in hardship and difficulty and facing the problems that we're facing today? It's the search for our treasure in it. And we're promised that we'll find him. He will show himself to us. But he says, dig for me. Find me. See, for the Christian, the meaning and purpose in our difficulty is Christ. He is the one 
for whom we are searching. And as we are completely invested in the expedition of finding him, we will find ourselves persevering in life. Often in our difficulties, we have to wait. We don't like to wait. (laughs) But if we're searching for Jesus in our difficulties, guess what we find we're doing? We're learning patience. We are forced to put up with pain when we don't want to hurt. But if in our pain we are searching for Jesus, we find him, and guess what happens? We learn endurance. We are forced to get along with someone who is hard to get along with. But if we're searching for Jesus in that difficulty, we'll find him, and then we'll find we're learning how to love. We don't like stretching beyond our ability for something that God is asking us to do. But if we're searching for Jesus as we stretch and go out of our comfort zone, we'll find him and realize we're gaining a new perspective on how God provides. You see, it's it's the hidden treasure. And God says, it's there. Dig. You'll find him. And as you dig, you will persevere. And there's another reason for Jesus to be our treasure. And that is found in verse 4. He protects us from our enemies. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Like Paul's culture and our culture of religious pluralism, we are constantly faced with fine-sounding arguments. Aren't we? (laughs) Everyone's got fine-sounding argument. Tickling our ears, trying to deceive us about religious truth. And this passage reminds me of Ephesians 4.14 when Paul wrote that becoming mature and attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, which are the words that he uses in Colossians, we will be prevented from being tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. This is a a perilous picture. There are people who are cunning and crafty and deceitful and scheming. On one occasion, the Apostle Paul warned the Ephesian elders, "There there are ravenous wolves who are going to come in among you and try to steal you away from the fellowship. I've seen this in local churches where there are factions and where some pastors uh, get, get too powerful for their own skin. <laughs> and when they fall, how, how great the fall. Not only for themselves, but for their church. And then for the greater community of Christ. Because deceitful schemings and craftiness. Paul says, listen, when Jesus is your treasure, you'll be searching for him, not yourself. You'll be searching for Him, not your power. You'll be searching for Him, not your particular point of view. And you'll be protected from all of these perilous things that come around us. 
John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase. Boy, that's such good advice for us, isn't it? When we're in the midst of of any circumstance in the local church. To follow Jesus is a life of humility, servanthood, and sacrifice. To draw near to him points others to him. That's the message that Paul wants us to have. Jews demand a sign. Greeks look for wisdom. Paul says, there's only one message that I preach. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. And when that's our pursuit, when that's our hunger, when that's our search, Jesus will be our treasure. And if he is our priority, we will be protected from pride and from trusting in treasures on earth. And we'll hear his voice and follow him and have a healthy relationship with God and a healthy church. So I conclude with a very familiar admonition from Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God. When I first started driving uh, a lot, um, I began to listen to audible books. And one of the first books I read was a book called Boys in the Boat. Anybody of you read that story? I love that story. The story of a crew of rowers from the University of Washington who won gold medal in the 1936 Olympics. And how, how they learned how uh, an eight-crew um, rowing team uh, could manage eight pairs of 12-foot oars and synchronize to perfect rhythm in a 60-foot boat that could capsize with one miscue. So they had to meld their personalities, their family backgrounds, their body size, their coachability, so that they could navigate the sport through winning and losing and then winning again. But this was a championship team. And the thing that set them apart is what the author and the coaches of rowing call the glide. They got into a rhythm. They got into the glide. And when they were rowing, it's just like everything else left their consciousness. They were just they were just in this rhythm. They were just in this synchronization. They were just in this glide and, and they forgot about the cold weather. They forgot about the wind. They forgot about the waves. They forgot about the taunts of competitors, rowers who were saying, You guys can't do this. They didn't they were in the glide. Brothers and sisters If Jesus is your treasure, that's the Christian glide. That's the Christian glide. If you're searching for him, you will find him. And he will be your glide. Is that your priority? Paul agonizes that that would be our priority. Because our lives depend on it. And as we search, we'll find ourselves persevering in life. And when we find the glide, we'll be protected and kept in his grace and in his love. My challenge to myself, um, when my wife and I talk on the phone, my challenge to you. 
in the midst of what we're facing in life today. Make Jesus your treasure. Search for him in the midst of these uncertain days. May he be our glide as we walk with God. Father in heaven, help us. Help us, Lord, to make you our priority. And to have confidence in you as we read in Psalm 34. That those who trust in you and search for Jesus will find him and we will lack no good thing. Lord, I pray that he would be our treasure more and more each day. In his name we pray. Amen. I'm going to call on Pastor Ian. He's got some really important announcements for us. And I appreciate um, his uh, ministry among us. And Ian, come and share with us some of the stuff that's happening in the next week or so. Good morning. So uh, it's been it's been an interesting week, right? Uh, some some interesting developments in our community and our country. Um, so in light of that, um, this week we well for the next couple weeks um, we will be canceling our midweek ministries. So no fun club, no youth group, no play group for the next couple weeks until at least school starts back up. Um, that being said, there will be um, things sent out for youth and fun club um, to parents uh, talking about this and also some some ideas for things you can do with your kids and also some um, Bible studies and, and things you can read with them. So we will continue to do ministry even though that we won't be necessarily meeting together. Um, also, I have a couple of other announcements. Um, if you open up your bulletin, you guys have a insert. So this is looking forward to Easter. If you want, you can bring an Easter lily in in commemorate of um, someone who has passed away. Um, if you bring it in, uh, the decorating team will place it for you. You can bring it on Sunday morning. Um, if you have any questions, please talk about the talk to um, the church office. You can email us or call us, um, and we will have more information on that. Yeah, so you'll have it for, we'll have it here for just the, the service and then afterwards you'll take it home. Um, I also wanted to remind everyone, um, get creative with your handshakes today. Um, please don't feel like you need to shake everyone's hand. We want to help curb the spread of um, germs. So get creative. I've already, um, my one elbow is a little sore from all the elbow bumps. So hopefully I'll, I'll just switch to the other side. But, um, there are posters throughout the church reminding people about um, what we can be doing to help um, wash our hands, that kind of thing. So um, thank you for those who put that up. Um, and with that, I'm going to be turning it over to Scott Epler. He has a search committee update. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Scott Epler. I'm a member of the Senior Pastor uh, Search Committee, and uh, we uh, are still uh, busily uh, working on our <clears throat> proceeding towards our candidate. Um, as Eric Kelsen mentioned last week, we have narrowed the field to a final candidate, which we're very excited about, um, and we're pleased to announce that he's been unanimously approved by the board uh, after an interview last week. 
So this means that we formally asked the uh, candidate to come and candidate our church for the senior pastor position. And we're planning the candidating weekend for April 24th to 26th. Uh, but as with all things right now, we hold that date loosely. So uh, be in prayer for that. More details and a full profile of candidate will be provided to the church uh, in the coming weeks. The search committee continues to meet in order to plan for the upcoming candidating weekend. And as always, we appreciate your prayers. We're actually going to meet tomorrow night. So that'll be a big meeting for us to uh, pull together some details or start pulling together details uh, for the candidate weekend coming up. So we're excited for the future of our church. We ask you to continue to pray with us. And uh, thanks so much for your patience in the process. And we're really excited to be at this point. So thanks. All right. Thank you, Scott. Um, I want to close with a, a scripture. I've been I've been thinking about this. Uh, me and me and Cam were talking last night about um, just the the happenings in our world, and I wanted to close with this. So this is um, Psalm 31. This is the uh, the end of Psalm 31, verse 19. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you bestow in the sight of men on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from the intrigues of men. In your dwelling, you keep them safe from accusing tongues. Praise be to the Lord, for he showed his wonderful love to me when I was in a besieged city. In my alarm, I said, I'm cut off from your sight. Yet you have heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. Love the Lord, all his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Even though that the world may seem like we're cut off and everything's happening that we don't we don't know and and it can it can be a scary time. God's got it and He sees us and um, trust in Him and, and He's got it. Um, today we're taking benevolence offering because um, we missed last week. So on your way out, um, there will be an offering plate at the door. Um, otherwise. Have a great week and uh, meet, join us downstairs for coffee. You're